And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it is a Tuesday as we get this day underway. Our new blog post is out on the website right now, realinvestmentadvice.com, talking about the big short squeeze that's uh, potentially coming in the markets. And, and this is something that we've been talking about for the last few days. And um, so I've kind of gone through some of the more extreme kind of oversold conditions in that blog post. Uh, it's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. Um, but a couple of things about this, uh, as we've been talking about, is just remember just a couple of months, like a month ago, we're talking about all the bullish things in the markets, right? We're talking about the number of stocks above the 50-day moving average. That's a bullish signal. You know, we're back to 90% of stocks doing that. Well, now we're back to record lows on those stocks uh, just, you know, a couple of months later, and right? You have a very low level of number of stocks that are above their 50-day moving average. Again, one of those kind of contrarian signals. Um, but again, a lot of the bullish exuberance that existed just a month ago has completely evaporated, and now we're back to a lot of you know high level of fear and angst in the markets. In fact, you know, uh, bearish sentiment uh, by individual investors now you know at a record high. The number of puts being bought on on the markets at a record high. So again. Uh, everybody's very bearish, and as is always the case, when everybody's kind of on one side of the boat, typically tends to be a good time to start thinking about the other side of that equation. And, and so the markets are set up for a bit of a counter-trend rally here. And one thing that's going to drive that, the one thing that's been weighing on the markets lately, and the one thing that's going to drive a potential reflexive rally is the dollar. And the dollar's been extremely strong, of course, as the Fed continues to hike rates, higher interest rates in U.S. Treasuries here, attracts foreign capital, particularly reserves, and particularly uh, countries looking for a safe haven for capital, their reserve currency, while they're combating higher inflation, weaker economic growth, et cetera, overseas. And they've certainly got their fair share of problems right now. So not surprising the dollar's been exceptionally strong uh, but the dollar did break out, you know, above three standard deviations uh, above the 50-day moving average. So not surprising here. We're going to get a correction in the dollar. Uh, that should give you a relief rally in the market uh, to sell into. And again, certainly should be the case here that we start talking about selling into a rally, uh, raise some cash, you know, re kind of reposition portfolios. But again, this extension above uh, the moving average and the dollar can't last very long. And historically, you get very regular retests of that 50-day moving average during this entire run that we've had here over the last year or so. Uh, so again, these big extensions, they're gonna have a correction, gives you a bit of a relief rally in the markets. And, and again, as I said, you know, this is, uh, you know, markets back to very oversold conditions. Our MACD indicators now back to fairly low levels. This was a good area where we previously got a nice buy signal just a month or so ago. Back in June, gave us that nice rally to the 200-day moving average. Right now, back to that, you know, kind of exact same level uh, that we were back then. So, so, again, watch this turn as we potentially start to see uh, prices improve. Look for that turn in the indicator to give you a bit better buy signal here. But uh, as we talked about yesterday, markets are now three standard, you know, into that three standard deviation below the 
50-day moving average. So again, just as we were talking about with the dollar being above that moving average, not surprised to see a reversal of the two, right? As we start to see the dollar weaken here a bit, just simply a function of it being very overbought, see some flows in the other direction. Same thing with markets being very oversold here. Look for this reflexive rally. Again, that could take you back here to around 4,000 uh, on the S&P. Uh, that's where the 50-day moving average is roughly. Uh, that'd be a good point to start looking to, to raise some cash, rebalance risk, et cetera. Now, could the markets go higher than that? Sure. Uh, we could make another run back to the 200-day moving average, back to around 4220 uh, on the S&P. That'd be exactly that same type of run we saw back in June. So it's certainly possible that you know you could have a fair big and because of the amount of, of shorting that we have in the markets because of the record level of puts because of the extreme negative sentiment you could certainly have a much stronger reflexive rally at this point but again we're still within this kind of bearish market trend um, so as long as we're in that trend right now continue to sell those rallies as we go um, as we talked about yesterday a bit it's very likely with the fed hiking rates as aggressively as they are right now and combined with this really strong dollar which that's not going to reverse itself anytime soon unless the federal reserve starts to come in and begin dollar interventions which again certainly possible um, but because of these very aggressive rate hikes not just in the u.s but in europe as well every major central bank is now tightening policy the uk um, is is doing the same thing in fact uh, the United Kingdom has now announced that they're going to review all of their, you know, their their clean energy policies um, because they want to ensure energy independence for their country and energy stability. And this is and, and energy is now going to become a real thing uh, for a lot of these countries that are, are are dealing with exceptionally high electricity costs, power costs, heating costs, particularly as we go into winter. So a lot of these climate policies that were put into place that were going to you know, move everything away from energy-based uh, sources of, of electricity now are going to be reviewed. And, and again, it's just not sustainable. Now we're starting to figure out what the impacts of that are. So again, you're going to see this kind of switch that's coming. Uh, starting in the UK already, this is likely going to spread. But again, with markets very oversold here on relative strength basis, on stochastics basis, every indicator right now is extremely oversold. Look for that reflexive rally. And again, as, as we see this, the, the things that are still out there, right, have not changed, right? There's, there's not a good bullish story to make here just yet. Earnings estimates are still too high. They still have to come down. Valuations have come down, but not enough. Uh, the Federal Reserve is continuing to hike rates and reduce their balance sheet, and not just the U.S. reducing their balance sheet, which is extracting liquidity from the markets. But that's also happening with all the G4 central banks, right? So the Eurozone, uh, Bank of England, Bank of China, all reducing their balance sheets right now. And the, and the reason, of course, is that, you know, again, all this liquidity that was put into the market created this inflationary problem. Now they're kind of trying to figure that out, how to combat that problem is by extracting liquidity. So this is gonna to continue to put downward pressure on prices um, at least through the rest of this year. So just be a little cautious here, but uh, again, don't panic sell. This is one of the things that we saw a lot of over the last couple of days. Lots of people really starting to panic. Oh, just get me out of the markets, right? Just get me out of the markets. Just put me in cash for right now. I get 4% on the two year treasury. So just buy me that. Um, be careful here. You, again, really oversold. Don't have a problem with you selling and, and raising more cash, but at least try to do it at a better level. Don't, don't panic sell. 
uh, into a market decline, which is typically exactly what people do. They wind up selling, you know, these lows and then they start trying to buy these highs because, you know, they think the bull market's back and that's just the trap you don't want to get into. And we're going to have more of that. If you go back and look at 2008 as a good example, uh, 2008 had numerous bear market rallies in that entire bear market decline. And, and, and right now, you know, we go back and look at 2008, you're looking at a 52% decline from peak to trough on that. And we're certainly starting to kind of creep up in that direction. You know, over the last year or so, markets are down over 20% now. So you're definitely heading in that recessionary bear market direction. We're not there yet, but again, I, I, there's a rising level of probability that we will be in a recession by next year, and that's gonna weigh on the markets. And the most interesting thing about that, this will be the most well-forecasted recession ever in history, but everybody's saying that. Anyway, we'll come back after the break. We'll talk about the big short squeeze a little bit more. I'll show you some interesting charts from our article today. It's on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. We'll be right back. daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. If your portfolio looks more like a horror show, you won't want to miss our next Candid Coffee on dealing with bloody markets. No tricks, just treats. From Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff with some not-so-spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash. Don't be spooked by markets or Danny's bathroom. On our next Candid Coffee, Saturday, October 1st. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Uh, welcome back to the show this morning. It's uh, 617 as we are kind of roll into this day. So lots and lots of economic data out today. So... Again, you know, as we, you know, kind of talk about where the markets are right now, um, there's a lot of things that are coming about that are going to really kind of tell us, you know, kind of where we're headed. Uh, before we get to that, though, I, I, there was a very interesting article out this morning. I tweeted it out this morning on our Twitter. So if you go to at Lance Roberts on Twitter, um, one of my latest tweets is talking about the economic data which tends to be positive um, before the recession. And, and it's a really great article by the St. Louis Fed Research. And, and the St. Louis Fed is now trying to prep you for a recession because they just came out with this article. And what they show you is that the most watched indicators that the Fed uses, right, employment, wages, those type of things, they're all positive two quarters prior to the recession. So in other words, when the recession actually starts – those two quarters prior to it, all this economic data is positive. And, and, and you get, so this is the, the issue with that because 
you know, when you're looking at this economic data, A, it's lagging data. And so we're making a lot of policy decisions. The Fed is doing this right now, making policy decisions based on, you know, this very robust economic environment that we have in terms of employment and wages and those type of things. But those things tend to be positive just prior to the onset of a recession. Now, here's the interesting point about this. And, you know, as we, you know, think about, you know, kind of what happens next, you know, in the markets and, and kind of what happens next economically, you know, the problem with this data is, 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 is simply this, is that when you take a look at this at, at this data, and, and what I have up right now is I've got the table from the actual St. Louis Fed um, survey or report that they put out. And what it shows you is a real personal income, non-farm payrolls, household employment, real personal consumption, wholesale retail sales, right, industrial production. The two, the two quarters prior to the recession, those are all positive. And so you're looking at that data going, well, how can you be in a recession? All this economic data we have is positive. And then just the two subsequent quarters, they're all negative by a lot. And this is where the NBER comes back and says, two, you know, after two quarters of that, so here you are a year later now, the National Bureau of Economics Research comes out and says, oh, yeah, well, that recession, it started, you know, two quarters ago. Three quarters ago, wherever it was. Same thing we saw back in 2008, December of 2008. The markets are down 50%. The world's in the middle of a financial crisis. And in December of 2008, the National Bureau of Economic Research comes out and says, oh, yeah, that recession started in December of 07, a year earlier. What, what good does that do you, right? Fed's already made a policy mistake. All of, December, all of 2008... You know, Ben Bernanke's going, subprime's contained, everything's fine, economy's growing well, Goldilocks economy, right? And then, you know, it wasn't. And so what, you know, the, the St. Louis Fed is, is telling you is be wary of this economic data because it's lagging in nature. And by the time that you realize that things have gone awry, you're kind of in the muck of it. And, and this is the problem for the Fed. The Fed is hiking interest rates dramatically. And at the same time that they're hiking these interest rates very quickly is that they're also dealing with surging oil prices, which have come down a bit, thankfully. But, you know, they're also dealing with a very, very strong dollar, which is also a form of monetary tightening. So now not only is the Fed hiking rates making things more expensive domestically, You've got this exceptionally strong dollar, which is making things much more expensive internationally. And one of the things we've got coming out, I've got an article coming out, I think, on Monday talking about the dollar in particular. But the impact on international sales is very important, especially for U.S. corporations that have a big dependency on, on international sales. Forty percent of corporate profits, revenues, come from sales internationally. So a strong dollar is going to impact those companies' expected profits to a great degree. But, you know, these are the, these are the things that we continue to look about. And, and so you go back and look at this chart of the dollar historically, and, and where's what's important about this? And we talked about the Fed breaking something previously. And if you look at the year-over-year -year rate of change of the dollar, 
whenever you have these very sharp, and this is the same thing for interest rates, by the way, and we have the exactly same thing going on with 10-year treasuries right now. These very exacerbated year-over-year rates of change in anything have a big tendency to disrupt or break markets somewhere. It's not surprising. Markets aren't really built for these, you know, very dramatic changes, right? Everything's fine until you have this big dramatic change. Think, think about it this way. It's kind of like, a, you know, we've got all these hurricanes that are popping up now because we're in the middle of hurricane season. And everybody's tracking Ian right now as, as Ian is set to, you know, make landfall. You know, everything's fine. And we go, oh, look, there's a hurricane. You know, there's a tropical storm out in the middle of the Gulf, right? Oh, it's become a hurricane. That's eh, no big deal right now because it's out there. It's, it's going to catch the Gulf Stream. Maybe it'll go north and, uh, you know, it'll slip past the East Coastline and it'll all be fine, right? So we, we know what's out there, we, right? We know the risk is out there, right? We know this hurricane is out there. And we're all just kind of hoping that, that it'll kind of, you know, fizzle out or turn east or whatever and it won't be a big problem and then we also look at it like oh well it's just going to hit florida right <laughs> no problem it's just going to impact florida what's well, a problem you know these things have economic impacts and, and and the thing is is that we can see these things and 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 we're fine with them as long as they're not disrupting something and markets aren't really built for disruption so when you have these economic storms like a very sharp spike in the dollar and if you look at this chart as I, as I was showing you you know going back historically you can you can see that every time that there's been a a dramatic change in the year-over-year -year rate in the, the rate of increase, right? That's what we're talking about. The the where is the price of the dollar today versus where was it 12 months ago? And when you have these very dramatic increases in history going back, you have one crisis after another. Whether it was the dot-com crash, whether it was 2008, the euro crisis, these are all related to big spikes. In the dollar, right, and 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 big and these big kind of surges, and 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 the reason is is because again the dollar makes things more expensive for people overseas, they're not prepared for it, and so when you have these very exacerbated, you know, increases in the dollar, it disrupts the economic flow, right? People only have so much money; they can only go there. That those dollars only stretch so far. And so when you have these very dramatic increases in interest rates and the dollar and oil prices, the markets and economies aren't set up for that. They can't deal with that extra expense, particularly when we have such a large amount of debt really kind of flowing through the whole system. And again, we're so dependent on debt to sustain the standard of living, big changes to interest rates, inflation, the dollar, those type of things just immediately undermine the stability of households. And so this is the, you know, this is kind of the big, the big thing to be paying attention to. Um, but again, this is this is part and parcel of where we are. And so today we've got a tremendous amount of economic data coming up. We've got durable goods orders this morning. Uh, that's going to be everybody kind of focusing on you know, the strength of the economy. Uh, you know, um, you know, right now that's expected to come in at a negative 0.3 percent. It was 0.1, negative 0.1 the prior month, but those have been getting weaker, of course. Um, durable goods, excluding transportation, is coming uh, expected to be a positive 2 percent. So, you know, potential there for disappointment. If we see actual consumers starting to slow down on purchases, that's kind of the, the one to watch. 
But we've also got non-defense capital goods today. Um, you know, keep a watch on that. They'll tell us a little bit about the strength of the overall economy. Is it getting stronger? Is it getting weaker? Um, also, the housing price index. The, this is the one thing that everybody's going to be watching today because housing prices feed into that inflation front. And the housing prices, uh, the Schiller case home price index has a three-month lag to it. So if we're beginning to see those prices come down, that's going to start to feed into the the CPI calculation of that homeowner's equivalent rent, and and that's going to start to, to you know give us an idea of just how fast we're going to see inflation falling, and and whether or not the Fed has gone too far or not. So that's going to be really closely watched. There'll be a lot of conversations. We'll talk about some tomorrow as well once we get the numbers in this morning, but that's going to be a very highly viewed piece of economic data today because of its impact on the inflation run and. Of course, because of high inflation is because why the Fed's hiking rates and tightening policy. So, again, this is all going to be very important. Uh, Conference Board Consumer Confidence Index, is that improving at all here? I don't think so after the last month. We'll see. Um, looking also at expectations. And you also have the rich, uh, another one of the Fed Manufacturing Index. This is from the Richmond region to tell us a little bit about what's happening you know, in, in those manufacturing regions. Because those data have been really weak. Um, we're seeing lead times coming down. We're starting to see back orders uh, slow down a lot. So, you know, there's clear signs of economic weakening. And, and, and today I have a feeling that a lot of this data will come in. Of course, new home sales uh, coming out at 10 o'clock this morning. That's going to be one uh, worth watching as well, because that'll tell you a lot about what's going on with the real estate market um, and has these high, have these high mortgage prices really starting to impact that home sales market and what's going to happen with prices there. And this is all, again, home sales and the uh, Schiller case index of prices are going to be a good leading indicator to tell us about what's about to happen with inflation. Okay, quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about the big short. Don't go away. Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. If your portfolio looks more like a horror show, you won't want to miss our next Candid Coffee on dealing with bloody markets. No tricks, just treats. From Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff with some not-so-spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash. Don't be spooked by markets or Danny's bathroom. On our next Candid Coffee, Saturday, October 1st. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. So I was uh, telling you earlier that, you know, the markets are so oversold here. Uh, the dollar is very exacerbated to the upside. Stocks are very exacerbated to the downside. 
And that typically sets up a very good kind of contrarian setup for a reflexive rally in the market. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it happens today. Now, futures are right now pointing up about 300 points on the Dow. So we'll open about 1% this morning. A lot of trap longs in this market right now. People that are along the market got, got suckered into it on that rally. The market's been selling off now. They're back to you know new lows as of yesterday. So lots of lots of panic here. So so again, you know, get a bit of a rally this morning. Won't be surprised to see it sell off intraday as people just like I'm out, right? But be a little careful here because um, we're so oversold at this point that we're going to get a rally. And so I wrote an article today. It's called "The Big Short Squeeze Is Coming." Um, and again, it'll be very much like we saw back in in, in June and and July. Uh, because markets had gotten to a very similar oversold condition. But, you know, I, you know, the point here, though, is that, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. Just because we're going to get this kind of oversold rally doesn't mean we're out, out of the woods just yet. And there was this really great chart by uh, Charter uh, recently, which showed the speed of rate hikes and that the Fed is now hiking faster than at any other point in history. So I annotated this chart because... Their chart just had the speed of rate hikes with the years on it, but didn't have any context. It's just you know just kind of showing you the the increases in rate hikes, and so I added some context by adding the events that went along with it. Of course, you know, 15 through 18, we had you know the eurozone crisis, the Fed taper tantrum, and then the financial crisis in 04, 05, 06. You know, they were hiking very aggressively. That ended up in the financial crisis, the dot com crash in 99 and 2000. Um, of course, you know, you also had long-term capital management and stuff along the way. Um, you know, 87 through 89, you had the, you had the, the market crash, the 94-95 bond market crash. So every time the Fed's been aggressively hiking rates, they break something. And now this is the most aggressive rate hike cycle in history. And to suspect or to think that the Fed's not going to break something is a bit naive at this point. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But this is, you know, this, you know, has led to a, a fairly sharp decline. And again, we continue to kind of track along this analog of 2008. And back in 2008, if you'll remember, we were going through this kind of whole cycle. And, you know, we had a, this head and shoulders pattern forming in early 2008. Um, had Bear Stearns, of course. The market recovers, uh, gets to new highs, and then we come back down. We 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 rally a bit. We fail, um, and then the markets kind of break this the that what the in the head and shoulders technical pattern. Don't worry about it. It's not that important. But when you go back and retest those previous lows, that kind of confirms you're in a bear market and suggests that we're going to go lower. Well, we've done that same thing this year. We've we've built this this big head and shoulders pattern. We broke the neckline. The rally. In June and July, took us right back to the neckline. That was the 200-day moving average. Failed at that point, came down, and we're now setting these new lows. And this is all right in line with what we saw going on in 2008. Now, you know, even here and back in 2008, there was this reflexive rally. And so, having this reflexive rally to sell into won't be a bad idea. Um, now. What happened next in 2008 was the Lehman moment, right? It was where it was a realization the Fed broke something, and that was the Lehman bankruptcy. Now, I'm not saying we're going to have another Lehman bankruptcy. I'm not saying we're going to have a subprime crisis. I'm not saying that at all. All I'm saying is is that 
the markets are behaving very similarly to what we saw in 2008 during that bear market. And the Fed is likely to break something. We just don't know what it is. And that suggests that prices could go lower. I do not expect, let me be really clear, I do not expect this market to continue to play out exactly as we saw in 2008. It's just coincidence right now that this is happening. Market prices are rhyming for a lot of reasons. Uh, the Fed is aggressively hiking interest rates. They will break something. The question is only when, what, and what does it do to the market? So there will be a divergence between this chart and between what's currently going on in the markets in 2008. It just hasn't happened yet, but it will. Um, so, again, don't get too wrapped up in saying, oh, Lance said that we're about to have a major financial crisis. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that right now it suggests that we're going to have a rally, just like we saw in 2008, and then you know, we're having another leg lower to whatever that is because the realization that we're in a recession and the Fed has broken something that's coming in. And, and earnings have to come down. We just have not brought earnings down enough to compensate for what's happening within the economy. But we will. So, however, and so why, why, so why should we rally, right? That's the big question. Why should you get this rally in the markets? And, and again, as we've talked about here, investor sentiment is extremely low. We run a composite index of both retail and professional investors, and that level of sentiment is so bearish that it's bullish. And we actually wrote an article back in June saying sentiment so bearish that it's bullish, showing this exact same chart, and then that was what led to that, that rally that we had in June. So again, not surprisingly, and, and you know, all throughout history, when you have this level of negative sentiment, that's been at least a short-term bottom. It's not necessarily the bottom. It's just a bottom uh, for, for a tradable rally. And this is where you know, we, we kind of continue to focus on things. Now, now you know, remember, too, you know, this, you know, we go back in history to 2020, 2021, you know, we were writing an article talking about how long the market had been above the 200-day moving average. And this was, un, you know, kind of had this very long stretch where markets were just rallying above the 200-day moving average, very deviated above the 200-day moving average. We said then, said this can't last. It's going to revert at some point, and you're going to have a long period where you're below the 200-day moving average. And voila, that's been the case this year. We also wrote an article talking about periods of low volatility beget high volatility. And, and guess what? This is just the way markets work. So just because we're going through this cycle doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And this is, you know, this is the, one of the traps that investors get into is that they begin to think that, well, markets can only go down now, right? They, they can, they'll never go up again. I just need to, you know, just get out, right? You know, don't do that because markets don't, we're just in a period where market prices are reverting, we're going through a period of high volatility, and this will end. And you want to be in a good position to participate, you know, on the other side of this, you know, when we eventually get out of it. So, so again, you know, just because we're having a period of higher volatility doesn't mean it's always going to be the case. It's just where we are now. Now, there's certainly some, some issues with the markets of what's going on right now. But again, there's a lot of reasons to expect we're going to have a rally. Let's go through some of these charts, and I'll, I'll kind of move fairly quickly. The article is on the website, so if you're driving, don't try to look at your phone while you're driving. I'll explain these charts in particular. Um, but you know, 
the you know just go to the website realinvestmentadvice.com it's under our insights tab it's right on the home page it says the big short, short squeeze is coming but the first chart is the um percentage of investors professional investors that have very low exposure in other words they've been selling their assets they've been selling equities and when the exposure of professional investors get below 40 percent that is historically marked bottoms of markets in other words professional managers tend to sell bottoms and just like we were back in june when the number of managers got below 40 we're back there again and you know so again one of those kind of reasons that we should suspect we'll start getting a kind of a contrarian indicator um, as professionals are selling is probably a good time to buy. Um, we talked about the record number of puts in the markets, right? So this is another kind of contrarian indicator. When everybody's very bearish, um, you are typically in a good position for the markets to do exactly the opposite of, of what everybody's thinking. And one thing we look at is the put call ratio, which is the ratio of people buying puts betting on the market to go down versus those buying calls those betting on the markets going up when that ratio reaches above one which it is right now that is typically marked the bottom of the market right so again just it's a, it's another one of those kind of contrarian indicators another one that we watch very closely is the bullish percent index now this is the number of stocks on bullish buy signals and you know this kind of goes along with a lot of other stocks that you know a lot of it like the number of stocks above their 50-day moving average um, that's now back to lows as well but the number of stocks when you take a look at the bullish percent index that is now back to one of the lower readings that we've seen historically again just kind of another one of those things that everybody's been selling stocks very few stocks are on bullish buy signals that is you know kind of a good contrarian indicator of kind of a market bottom so so the question is 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 navigating this and you know you can uh, brent you can just kind of you know, zoom in on these kind of seven spots you know for people to look at what we're i'll just run through them here real quick but at the bottom of the article is basically kind of seven rules to kind of follow through this and, and again you know we're going to get this rally and when we get this rally don't know how far it'll go but we're going to get the short squeeze in, in this market so move slowly you know there's no rush to be making big changes uh football is always a game of inches and so make small changes on the rally so as the market continues to rally Make some changes, raise some cash, reduce your risk accordingly. If you're overweight equities, don't try to jump out all at once. Uh, typically, you know, that doesn't work out well. Just, again, work yourself out over time. You know, start by selling laggards, things that aren't working. Uh, trim back your winners and and just kind of rebalance risk accordingly. If, if it wasn't working on the way, if it's not working on the way up, it's just going to go further down when the market goes down again. So if something's not participating or leading the rally on the way up, that's a good candidate to start to trim back and and, and reduce. You know, add to sectors and positions that are, that are working, that are uh, basically working in the markets. Be careful getting too one-sided because, you know, don't go all bearish, right? That's just, that's never works out well. Um, and again, you know, sell into the rally, reduce the risk. And, and again, if none of that makes sense to you, go by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com, ask questions. We're happy to help you out at all, um, you know, with whatever you need. So again, just get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, we'll be right back after the break, wrap up the show. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. 
If your portfolio looks more like a horror show, you won't want to miss our next Candid Coffee on dealing with bloody markets. No tricks, just treats. From Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff with some not-so-spooky ideas to budgeting and how to maximize your cash. Don't be spooked by markets or Danny's bathroom. On our next Candid Coffee, Saturday, October 1st. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show. Getting ready to wrap things up this morning. So a couple of things, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap up, we're talking about this kind of short squeeze. And again, you know, there's enough negative sentiment in the markets that you could get a fairly decent counter trend rally. You know, again, something that, you know, should be used to raise some cash. You know, one of the things that has been, you know, kind of becoming more realistic now is that, and people are starting to kind of come to the grips. And, and again, the one thing that kind of bothers me is that everybody's forecasting a recession. And typically when everybody forecasts something, something else tends to happen. Maybe the, the fact that everybody's forecasting a mild recession just means that we just have a worse recession than people think. Maybe that's the difference. We'll see. But this will be one of the most forecasted recessions ever in history. Everybody kind of sees it coming. And, 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 and again, that means a lot because when it comes to financial markets, stocks tend to have bigger declines during recessions than they do in non-recessionary periods because of the change in earnings. And, and basically, the reason you have a bigger decline is stocks have to reprice for lower than expected earnings, and, and that brings down prices more. So during a normal bear market, if you say, I'm only going to have a bear market in a recession, that's 20 25% historically. A recessionary bear market is 30 to 35%. Average is about 33 So if you think about that in terms of context, that's about 3200 on the S&P 500. Could be lower, Right. 2,800 is certainly possible. That's a big drop. You know, we're just talking about 4,800 at the beginning of this year, right? So that's a 2,000-point drop on the index. Now, what's, what's interesting about that is that's basically the differential between stock buybacks since 2011 and the price of the S&P. In other words, since 2011, stock buybacks have accounted for about 40% of the increase. So if we wipe out that 40% increase of stock buybacks alone, which were one-time purchases of stock you know, uh, for non-economic reasons, that puts the market back at a valuation where it should have been X those corporate stock buybacks, right? So kind of just an interesting sideline. But that's normally what happens in a recession. So, so again, if we do get a recession, it does mean that we'll probably have lower asset prices because earnings have to reprice. Now, could markets price all that in and adjust before we get there? Yes, that's, you know, that's how markets work. So markets will likely bottom before we even realize the recession is is in tow, very much like in 2008, the National Bureau of Economic Research didn't come out and say the recession started until a year earlier, right? And so by the time they announce the recession, the markets will already bottom. So don't wait for the announcement. The realization is, is that we're, we're heading in that direction and stock prices likely have some more work to do to the downside. So again, on this rally, raise some more cash, 
become a little bit more defensive um, in portfolios. And again, one thing that Mike and I are going to talk about on Thursday in more detail is talk about bonds and the importance of bonds and how they work in, in markets and particularly this type of market and what's going to happen with the bond market next. Um, there are some fantastic opportunities coming with bonds. And, you know, as is always the case, the one thing that people misunderstand is how bonds work. There's one key basis about bonds that are different than stocks, and that is that treasury bonds do not go to zero. Equities can and do. Companies can go bankrupt, right? So you can have very big losses in stocks that never recover. Bonds never have that issue. Bonds always mature at face value. They do not go to zero. So even if you're underwater right now on your bond portfolio, don't panic and start selling your bonds. That's the worst thing you can do. That is an asset class that, that will outperform stocks over the course of the next 24 months. You know, uh, I was asked uh, over the weekend with Adam Taggart, you know, if I could own one asset, what would that be? And it'd be bonds, always, treasury bonds. It's the one asset that will survive through inflation, deflation, economic recession, doesn't matter what it is. You will always be made whole in bonds, you know, and this is the one thing that people forget. So, and one of the largest capital appreciation gains is going to come out of bonds over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. There's a 60% potential or so I should say there is a, a, a potential for a 60% capital appreciation in bonds or more. So again, just don't write off an asset. And again, we're going to go into a lot more detail on Thursday with Michael Leibowitz talking about this. Um, he's our resident bond expert. And we'll go through kind of the different, you know, corporate bonds, mortgage-backed bonds, um, you know, um, uh, preferred treasuries will kind of go through the whole mix and and what asset classes and which of these classes will perform and when will they perform and when do you want to start buying them uh do you buy you know preferreds and and high yield and junk now or do you buy it later right so those are the things we'll go through when when is distressed assets going to become you know the the, the value play right so we'll get into that on thursday so be sure and tune into that show it'll be a good discussion um but again, just just be careful here. We've got some more work to go. So again, yes, you know, I think there's a very high probability. And again, you know, markets are pointing up this morning. But uh, again, there's so many people that are trapped in this market. Don't be surprised if today's rally fails. But I do think we're in a position here for a fairly substantial kind of rally, um, you know, to rebalance into. So so you know, be careful. You know, trying to, you know, bail out of markets just because things are down. Right. You know, this is the, this is where emotion and psychological pain become detrimental to your portfolio. Sometimes it's just better to step back and just say, hey, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to have to suck this up. And when I get a rally, then I'll sell. Right. So this is the thing. And then just be careful. Don't do the opposite. What happened back in June was is everybody was. And again, we all forget. I mean, we have a very short memory uh, in terms of, of pain in markets. Back in June, everybody's like, oh, my God, just get me out. This market's going down. A month later, markets are approaching the 200-day moving average, and people are going, oh, when are we going to buy more, right? You know, I got to get in. I got, I'm missing the rally. Here it is a month later. We're back at lows. Going, oh, my God, get me out again, right? So this is what bear markets do to people is make you make the worst possible decisions. You buy high and you sell low. So don't fall into that trap. Just pay attention to what markets are doing. Uh, the article's on the website this morning, realinvestmentadvice.com. So um, a couple of other just kind of interesting things. You know, we've talked about, um, you know, that whole movement when Beyond Meat first came public, 
you know, we talked about what a, a ridiculous idea this was that they were going to be this multi-billion dollar company and they were going to take over. And, and again, that's what the market cap was predicting, right? They, they multi-billion dollar market capitalization for, you know, fake meat. And during the pandemic, when you couldn't get food anywhere because everything was sold out, you could always get beyond meat. Those, those shelves were always full. And now that's pretty much come to, to, to realization. Fake meat sells plummeting. Uh, on high prices. And, and what's interesting is, is that, you know, people that are even vegan, you know, kind of part-time vegans like me, right? I'm a part-time vegan. You know, they, they'll opt for real meat over fake meat, especially when the prices is the same or less. And, you know, so the, the problem is always about prices. And the other problem is, is that the, that market that, Beyond Meat was going after is a very small market. The, 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 the percentage of vegetarianism in the economy hasn't changed in 20 years. It's about 5% of the economy. Um, it's very much like a lot of these kind of woke groups that are promoting these, these agendas that you know dominate our headlines and dominate media. It's a very small percentage of the company country, but you know they're so vocal about it. It seems like everybody is on this train, right? And you know, so it, it seems like everybody's in, but it's actually a very small minority uh, in the country that make up these groups. And, and vegetarianism is the same way. And <laughs> there's this there's this great. Uh, comedy clip uh, you know on, on the radio about this guy he goes out on uh, not on radio but on uh, social media he's out on a date and and you know he's there they're at dinner and he asked uh, his partner says well with your eating disorder you know is you know what what do you want to eat she's like i'm vegetarian i'm a vegan i don't have an eating disorder he's like same thing uh you know so this is this is you know kind of you know where it is but this whole reality is now coming you know, uh, mcdonald's tried it uh, failed miserably. They are now removing a lot of those items off their menu. Burger uh, uh, Burger King tried it with the Impossible Whopper. Sales did not go well. People don't want that. I don't go. Look, if I'm going to Burger, I don't go to Burger King and McDonald's because I try to eat healthy, right? So if I'm trying to eat healthy, the last place I'm going to go to to eat is to a Burger King or a McDonald's or somewhere else, right? Because that's not very healthy food at all, right? So the people that go to these fast food chains are typically not that concerned with their health, right? That's why they're if they're regulars, right? I'm not saying, you know, you never go to, you know, a Whataburger. Everybody goes to Whataburger, right? Even I go to Whataburger every rare occasion, yes. Um, but people that eat fast food on a very regular basis, they're not going to fast food chains to eat a veggie burger, right? That just that's not the majority of people. And so it's not surprising that those sales went very poorly. It was, it was a great test experiment. Uh, McDonald's tested it out. Burger King tested it out. Cracker Barrel's trying it. Got a lot of backlash on social media for, for that. Nobody wants vegan sausage and gravy. Right? <laughs> um, the gravy's bad enough, right? You're not really extracting that much out of sausage and gravy by throwing in some Beyond Meat sausage. But anyway... Um, you know, it just these aren't the environments that people go to to eat this. So not surprisingly, sales have turned out miserable. Um, the price of the stock is now down 77%. Again, not surprising. You know, we but this is this is what happens in markets that you know these things come out, they get hyped up in the market. There was a the the big story is the hundred million dollar deli in New Jersey 
where during that kind of the height of the of, of this market run, this one store deli in New Jersey, which apparently has really good, you know, Philly cheesesteaks and sandwiches, was valued at $100 million. Well, those four men behind that whole issue are now facing very long sentences in prison for securities fraud. But that's what happens. So, you know, be careful what you invest in. Invest in things that have value and fundamental structure. You'll do better long term. All right. That wraps up the show for the day. Um, be sure you go by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get our latest blog post, more. Uh, it's all at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you tomorrow.